It is already time for praises, so let's get to it. Jerry, go for it. Got my truck inspected again. <laughs> All right. Don't know. I've had a check engine light on my truck about four years. So I can use a little thing and turn it off and then just drive a little bit during the inspection. Look, I got by on that again. And also, I ordered uh, I ordered some uh, clamps, some battery clamps for the inverter for the, uh, the Christmas for the Christmas thing. Yeah. For a lot of you know, when you order stuff from Amazon, you never know how to come in. They came in perfect, exactly what I want. Wow, yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's, when, it's, when somebody gets it right these days, it's, it's kind of a bless, special blessing. Other praises. This is the part Jesus gets, so do not be shy. Gilbert. Praise the Lord for 2023. 2023. Amen. By around midnight tonight, you will have made it through another year. Clarissa. I have a freezer full deer. Freezer full of meat. Yeah, I'm cool. So Going to be a venison tasty year. Yes. <laughs> Who else? Praises. Mary. Yeah, I just want to say I had a great Christmas. Everything was beautiful. Like everybody said, come on, you guys say happy birthday to Jesus. It's not your birthday. Come on, guys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Put those presents down. This is not about you. I know. I didn't see. No. <laughs> I mean, uh, all right, who else? Uh, Josh was next, I remember. Uh, well, praise the Lord for perspective. He's been giving me a lot of that in different levels this winter. Uh, then turn around on top of that when he gave it to me, then he turned around and gave me a few jobs here and there. So I'll praise him for providing after the perspective. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yes, you're next. Another year, this church and this church family. Okay. And the praising the Lord for the church family. Okay. Okay. Good. I, you know, you could take that different. Another year and this church family. <laughs> I mean, you could take it lots of different ways. But we'll take it the best way. All right. Who else? Who's next? Megan. Uh, Matt's VA disability went through, um, and we got back pay with it in a time that we really needed it, so I know that God placed it at the right time. Well, amen. <laughs> Who else? Josh? I have another praise. Um, so I needed some marketing help, and I'll even call a brother and call Matt. About 10 minutes later, bam, <coughs> marketing to send over to my advertising company. So I'll praise the Lord for having a great family like that that helped me out. Amen. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Who who else now? Clarissa. I thank God to have great kids. I mean, I'm just so thankful for my kids. One of them behind, sitting behind you is going to have a big head now, but anyway. <laughs> I forgot she was in here, but like. <laughs> <laughs> so I just have great kids. Yeah, you do have great kids. You really do. I have a praise. She had to find a something to do with her great kids and Lisa and I were in a neighborhood and so we got to take them to lunch and have some kid time. Some great kid time. Yeah, we did. It was, it was awesome. We had a good time. And that was a praise for us. Who else? The, the, the Mary object lesson over here. Go ahead, Christine. What you got? So Josh and I decided, well I decided, I kind of forced Josh into it. Um, but. 
I decided that with this baby, we're going to do cloth diapers, right? Cloth instead diapers. Of, yeah, instead of doing disposables. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but um, I was able to find some pretty cheap, pre loved, and then a friend of ours actually gifted us quite a few. And so I spent all day, literally all day yesterday, stripping and cleaning and sanitizing diapers. And I looked at what we had and I was like, we have enough to even to like get started, like the bigger size, not newborn. But it took all day and I survived. And the kids did, they helped and they were like, here, mom, let me get you a stool because it all had to be done at the bathtub. So it was just nice that my kids were willing to help me with it too. Like it was a lot of work and the kids were like, okay, let me help. So it was just yeah. a blessing to, to see them really starting to step up the closer we get to this baby being here. So it was really kind of an eye opener. You know, just a, a moment with the kids that you don't think you would appreciate. Oh, <laughs> cloth diapers. That that sounds like an act of real bravery to me. Or torture. Yeah, it's just, you know, how brave do you have to be to change these cloth diapers with a new baby coming? Oh, well, and you hear Josh all the way. We've been to find out. <laughs> well, amen. Amen. Okay, cool. Who else? Alvin. Yeah. Uh, so I, over the holidays, I really got a bit. I'm really disappointed in myself on the Christmas night that we did, that you asked someone to speak, and I really wanted to speak on Israel, and I just sit there. And so I don't know how much of a praise this is, but I will say. <clears throat> I've probably learned more about it in the last week than um, previous times. Okay. And I wanted to say, mostly the church knows, you know, about everything that's going on and all that, but maybe uh, people who weren't members or whatever um, aren't aware that Israel's the chosen nation, period. And people turn me say, why not Mississippi? Because he's God, he can do whatever he wants. So he chose Israel. Anyway, just think about that maybe in the new year. Um, that's that's my prayer. My prayer is to Israel. Okay. Amen. We're told to pray for Jerusalem, which is basically the symbolic capital of Israel and is the capital. So it's a difference. Who else? Betty. One of my bosses was in the hospital just before Christmas, and he got to come home for Christmas. It was very difficult. He's very ill, and he's back down there today, but he got to be home oh, amen. for Christmas, and that was a great gift as it may be his last. Amen. We were a part of his prayer group, and it has been a great privilege. Good. Good. And we're glad to see Tiffany back. She was on that prayer list because her boss kept scheduling her for Sunday morning. So we're grateful. We know. We, we have proof positive. Like you said. God likes to show off. He? he does. Go ahead. Our business here, they're getting into the hospital upswing. So I hope that continues. Well, yeah. Amen. John chapter 5. We have a discussion question today. Where's, hey, Lisa, where's Daryl? 
Running a little bit late. Hey, okay. He did some homework. Oh, I know. Yeah, he said he did. I, he did. So, uh, we're going to get to that today. John chapter 5 is several months after, or at least some months after, what happened in John chapter 4. There's a gap right there time-wise. Jesus was uh, in Judea. He journeys to Galilee. Is Galilee a town? What is, what is Galilee? A region. Okay, a region. By the way, we have another praise. Uh, I got a Christmas gift for our class, and it's on the wall. And it's crooked. But I'll bring a level in here and get it right. We'll fix it. <laughs> it's just a little bit, you know, skewed a little bit to the right. Hello, Eva. That yellow part there is Israel. This particular map is a current map of Israel. But uh, the things that we normally point out on the map are still there and are all there. The area up there in the north, can you see the little lake on the north? What's that called? Sea of Galilee. It's called the Sea of Galilee. And some people say, well, wait a minute, the sea is over there on the left. That's just a lake. Does anybody know what this word sea is translated from? The, the sea that you're hearing when it talks about Galilee, the word simply means basin. That's all the word means, basin. It's a lake. You can see, with a different spelling, across it easily. You can travel across it in a short time. I have preached out on a boat on that lake two times now. That's cool. Yeah, we it was pretty cool. We were there and the thunder rolled. Mary was there. And the thunder, and the thunder rolled. And uh, we were praising the Lord and the Lord himself got in on it yeah. with his thunderings. And it was pretty cool. But uh, that area up there on the north See the stripy looking area? That's the area that you hear on the news all the time when they're talking about the West Bank. You'd think the West Bank would be against the sea, but it's not. Well, it's against the Dead Sea, part of it is there, but that's the disputed area that they're arguing over so much. But I've got news for them and for us that land belongs to Israel. It was given to them, full, clear, and paid for by the Lord himself. And ain't nobody taking it back. They can try, and boy, do they try, but they're not getting it back. It belongs to Israel. Jerusalem is right there on the edge of that West Bank where the little indentation is at the bottom. And just, just a little bit down from Jerusalem, is the city of this time of year, uh, the city of Bethlehem. Is Bethlehem a big city? No. It's not even big enough to be called a city, really. It's a town, old little town of Bethlehem. And uh, at any rate, they're 
that area north of the West Bank is Galilee. Jesus traveled to Galilee from Jerusalem after the nobleman's son was healed. And uh, he was come out of Jerusalem, out of Judea into Galilee. And so that's where chapter 5 begins, is when he traveled. It's a pretty good distance. Uh, where, where is Judea on there? Does anybody know? It says, it says he came out of Judea into Galilee. So the area, the area where it centers up on Jerusalem is Judea. That's the area the Bible talks about when it's talking about Judea. And so he left basically, and he was in Jerusalem when this happened, and he travels north into Galilee. Now sometimes people travel into Galilee by going over to the Jordan River Bank and following the, the, that up into Galilee, which is the easier route. If you go straight from Jerusalem to Galilee, what are you going to be traveling through? Lots of mountains, lots of hard, hard territory to transverse. It's, it's, and there's the Samaritans to deal with. And they're, they're not known for being real nice to travelers coming through their area. They like to rob people. There are a lot of outlaws in that area. But Jesus really wasn't worried about that. He, he came through Samaria. Remember the Samaritan woman we talked about? We learned about her. He went through there on purpose. Uh, didn't say which route he took this time. It says he just went. And we don't know, but we know he went. So chapter 5, after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now if he's in Judea, how does he go up to Jerusalem? It's a higher elevation. It's a higher elevation. Now the Dead Sea, which is not far from Jerusalem, is the lowest elevation on the planet, by the way, that you can find. It's the lowest area. It's several, I forget how many feet, somebody could ask Siri how many feet below sea level is the Dead Sea. But it is well below sea level. 35 feet. 35 feet. That's a lot. So that when they went up to Jerusalem, it's talking about elevation. Not going north. So there they there they are, and he gets there, and there at the sheep market, there's a pool, and that pool is named Bethesda, and there's five porches there in the area that's built there, and you know we studied about this, this, what happened at the pool of Bethesda, happened every year. What happened? The water stirred. An angel came down, stirred the water, and the first person that stepped in after that happened was healed of whatever problem was. Now I don't know how to explain that. How do you explain a miracle like that? No. You don't. <laughs> That's why it's called a miracle. You can't explain it. And uh, so the man was, he wasn't able to get in the water, and Jesus asked him if he would be healed. And so he said yes, and Jesus said what? Take up your bed. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the same day, verse 9, was the Sabbath day. And so he sent this guy carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. 
Did that set well with the Jews? No. No, it did not. And did he do it by when Jesus forgot it was the Sabbath day? No, he did it on purpose. He did to them what he does to Satan. He picked a fight. And he won that fight, as he always does. So he uh, has a long discourse with the Jews about it. He explains to them why he did it. He said, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. This is verse 17. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him. They already wanted to kill him. Because he had not only broken the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. First question today, is Jesus equal with God? Yes. 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 Why? He is God. <laughs> That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yes, that is the reason. And then verse 19 is where we're going to start today. Jesus answered, uh, answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, likewise also doeth the Son. Likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Verse 23 is a verse that each of us should pay very careful attention to. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. There are those that are very quick to honor the Father, but not so much the Son. The Jews were like this. If you uh, honor not the Son, you're not honor the Father either. They're the same. What object lesson in the scriptures does God use to show us how that works? The Father and the Son being the same and being one and so on and so forth. Mary? Honoring your own dad on the earth. Honor your mother and father. Honor the, the mother and father. Okay. Alvin, what do you think? Colossians, all things were made by him and for him. Okay. All right. That's a statement of fact. It's not the illustrations, though. Jerry? Jesus uh, was, a, uh, I believe he was talking to the Pharisees. I can't call chapter and verse on it. But uh, uh, he said, how can you say, show me the Father? Yeah. When I say, I am the Father, I, I, me, me and the Father are one, so how can you say, show me the Father? Yeah, he did. And that's, and that's absolutely right. The object, the object lesson the Bible uses, Eva, go ahead. What do you think? I would just say first you have to believe. And if you don't believe, then you can't. Well, that's that's very much true. That's very much true. But the object lesson is you. You are the object lesson. You are body. That's the part everybody sees. That's the part you look at in the mirror. 
That's the part that disappoints you when you look in the mirror. So you're well aware of that part. Your soul, which speaks of your intellect, your mind, your inner being, and spirit, which is the real you that lives on side inside of your body. Now you say, my body, who are you talking about? You're talking about yourself. When you say your spirit, you, you're, you're talking like it's like an ear or a nose or some part of you, but it's not. It's the I. It's the who you are, your spirit. You are made in both the image and the likeness of God. This is the illustration that God uses to show you how he exists, who he is. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Spirit is easy. You're, the Holy Spirit is God, and your spirit is you. The body is easy. Because the Bible tells us clearly that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Your body is the part you can see. Your spirit is the part you can't see. So the Father, is he visible or invisible? invisible. He's invisible. Jesus, he is God like the Father is God. But is he visible or invisible? Visible. He's visible. So he is and the body correlate. So the Father, Son, and the Spirit correlate with your existence, which is body, soul, and spirit. It's like talking to me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. Yeah, something like that. Not exactly like that, but <laughs> something like that. All right, let's read on. Next verse, verse 24, is one of the most important doctrinal passages, verses of Scripture in the Bible, anywhere. Jesus said, verily, verily. Does he often say verily, verily? No. Not often, but when he wants you to really pay attention, that's what he uses. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Now that's interesting. If you don't know that Jesus and the Father are the same or are one, who's our Savior, the Father or Jesus? Jesus. Jesus. But this verse says that you need to believe on the one that sent Jesus. That's God, the Father. Yeah, the Father. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. If you believe Jesus' word, you're going to know who the Savior is. And this is that terminology again, everlasting life. How long can you have everlasting life? Forever. Forever. It's everlasting. What's the shortest amount of time you can have everlasting life? It's the same because it doesn't change. It is what it is. 
either the Spirit of God doesn't know what he's talking about or your salvation is going to last forever. One of the two. Which one do you think it is? It lasts forever. Now, that's going to be brought into question in a few more verses. And we're going to hopefully make it far enough to discuss that today. I'm sure we won't finish this today. We'll probably be discussing this into the new year. A year from next year. <laughs> but look at this next part. And shall not come into condemnation. Never be condemned again. If, you, if you'll never come into condemnation, how can you lose everlasting life? And you can't be condemned. Either you believe this or you don't. And if you don't, you're in trouble. And if you do, you got nothing to worry about. And, but it's passed from death unto life. Now that ought to teach you something. When you got saved, were you passed from death unto life? Yes. yes. And somebody, some preacher came along and said, get up, take your coffin and roll it out of here. No. How can that be true? The flesh was not dead. The flesh was not dead. No. The spirit. And you, what did he tell the Ephesians? And you hath he quickened who were, what? Dead in trespasses and sin. Their spirit was dead. And when you got saved, your spirit, which was dead in sins, came to life. Bob. There's a... I don't, I, I don't know if it's still on. It was a series. Uh, it was called The Walking Dead. And that fits. That fits. They were, they were dead in the spirit, but they were still moving. Yeah. In the flesh. Yeah. That's exactly how it works. What's it called when the spirit, which was dead in sins, is brought to life by the Lord? Rebirth. Quickening. Quickening. Called quickening called rebirth or being what? Born again. That's what it's called. All right, passed from death and life. Verse 25, verily, verily, oh, there's another one. This must be important too. I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Now, we'll probably have to come back to this again, but let's read on down so we get this whole context. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming... Now this next part is where our discussion question comes up. For the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of mine own self do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, 
but the will of the Father which hath sent me. What does doing good or doing evil have to do with the resurrection of life? Is doing evil not accepting Christ? That, that is a pretty good question. Does this verse appear to tie good works or evil works to salvation? Yes, it would appear, appears that way. It appears that way, but what does it really say? Does it say that? Don't be shy. If you do the good thing and the right thing, you are rewarded with favor in heaven. If you do the evil thing, reject Christ, and live of this world, you will receive damnation. All right, uh, Lisa, do you have Daryl's notes? Read them to us. I, I don't know if they're any good or not, but read them anyway. Some people like to quote, faith without works is dead. That is true, because works can't save us. A true Christian who has been transformed from the inside will want to do good works, like through fruit of the Spirit. You can tell a tree by its fruit. So if you're saved, you can't keep it in. It will come out of you, you in service to God and others. And these works will glorify God, not ourselves. Well, that sounds pretty good. Too bad he's not here to enjoy the accolades. Gilbert, go ahead. Just a comment, because God blankets all humanity. And prior to Jesus, he was just the beginning of the Jews that God was present but in their own way they actually didn't exercise anything and there is no condemnation as the Bible says today even David is still in the grave there are there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus that's fact so here's the question that actually comes out of this Verse 24 flatly says that if you believe you have everlasting life, you're never going to be in condemnation again, and you're passed from death into life, and it's, it's absolutely permanent, if you believe. So here, just what, five verses later, it appears to say, and that's, at least that's what you said, it appears to say that your works have something to do with or is tied somehow to your, your salvation. Both cannot be true. That's obvious. First question I want to ask you. There are a few scriptures in your New Testament that appear to say this. I'm not going to get into the others right now, but there are a few that taken by themselves, you could come up with that conclusion. And people do it all the time. They do. First question is, why would God word a scripture like this 
that could leave someone with that kind of a conclusion if they were looking for that conclusion in the first place. Why would God do that? Would you have left it like, worded like that if you were the Holy Spirit to tell them, John, what to write? Go ahead. What do you think, there's, Josh? There's some scripture, I can't quote it exactly, but it's in my mind about um, he, he did, Jesus did something and said it in a certain way so that they wouldn't see and wouldn't hear for a specific reason. Yeah. Yeah. He spoke in parables so that they they couldn't understand. They were blind to it. We know that Jesus healed that guy at Bethesda on purpose. He know we know that he did it on purpose on the Sabbath day specifically on purpose. Does Jesus did Jesus ever do anything that wasn't on purpose? No. So we know that he said it this way on purpose. He did it. Why Why would that possibly be true? To separate the tares from the wheat. Maybe. Yeah, well, Gary, what do you think? The uh, only thing that comes to mind is a uh, uh, study to show itself through uh, workmen need not be ashamed, <coughs> rightly dividing the word of truth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you're gonna have to bear down and figure this thing out. You can't just, oh well, that's what that means. You know, no, it's not gonna be that. Not gonna be that way. It's like you got the thread, you gotta pull it a little bit to see where it goes. The Lord's. Sorry to interrupt your guess. Is there anybody here who has a gas can in their vehicle? There's a lady that got pulled with the. Just lay down on the side of the freeway. No, no, I, I took it out. Started to run. Da 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 to the rescue. He's going back out now, so you'll be back. I'm gonna give her a pen. Give her a pen. We'll be praying. God had her run out of gas here for a reason. All right, right. Clarissa. It just comes to mind that without Christ, uh, you can do nothing. And so people that don't have Christ, they are uh, doing evil because they know good they Okay, so here, here, here's, the, here's the question that came, that came up in my mind studying this. And, and we'll see how you do with the question. The people that have done good and are raised to the resurrection of life. Are they raised to the resurrection of life because they've done good? No. Or do they have they done good because they've experienced the resurrection of life? No. See, it does not say anywhere in this that they are raised to the resurrection of life because they've done good. It just puts the two together as traits of the same person. And no one has done just good. No, no. And they that have done evil. Anybody here who's never done evil? 
Yes. There's one. Okay. No. Two. That makes two. One is Jesus. Of course, he's here. And have you given this guy a name yet? Squishy's nickname. <laughs> and Butch. And Butch. <laughs> <laughs> or Butch yet. Or Butch yet. This baby's never done any evil. Will he or she? Well, based on whose parents are, good chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the nature. Yeah, that's the nature. Go ahead, Gilbert. Just a comment uh, with uh, Jesus or even playing with God. Because we know that by prophecy, they understood that Jesus was coming, but they didn't know him by name or anything as such. Yeah. But David, who committed adultery and sort of murder and a variety of other things, and Saul, you know, I don't know about Solomon because he had. 300 wives and 700 yeah. Oh, and David danced too. Uh, how bad was that? Yeah. So you have all these things. The thing is that there's a grace that we cannot really hold uh, just the makeup of it. They have the seed that God puts in all of us, preceding God or Jesus in the presence. Yeah. And all those people before Jesus cannot be condemned. Uh, you know, he says, according to your words. And you know, when I, I think into this, I think of the prophets, I think of uh, uh, Moses, I think of uh, all the other ones that have been going wayward, and some of them who actually sort of acknowledge God as a whole, but they, they, they only knew that some form of God was going to be coming and present. Were there people that recognized Jesus for who he was when he came? Yes. Yes. Yes, there were. There were a bunch of Shepherds, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, okay, I, I got it. Joseph, Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah. There were, there were a lot of people that recognized who Jesus was when he came. Definitely. Go ahead, Josh. I will say where it says good and evil, uh, a thought came to mind was, so if you're saved, you're righteous. You're good. Yeah. If you're not saved, you're unrighteous. You're evil. That's right. Right. Simple as that. Yeah. And the Old Testament pretty well categorizes it just that way before Christ. And uh, But it's, uh, it's pretty clear. These are who they are. These did what they did because of who they are. Righteous. Clarissa. I, uh, my spirit has never done evil. You know? Since you've been saved. Since I've been saved. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> she's right. She's right about that. I mean, my, it was dead before that. So, I mean, my spirit. Yeah. She's right. Gilbert, go ahead. I'll, I'll add one last comment. Jesus, or in the new gospel, tells us... Uh, yeah. Where was David before Jesus came? Between the time when he died and before and paradise. 
he was in paradise. The bosom of Abraham is the name that is called by the Jews. That's where he was. That's where Abraham was. That's where Lazarus, the, the, the guy that in the story of Luke, that's where he was. Every believer went to paradise. The thief on the cross, Jesus said, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. paradise. Did they stay in paradise? No. Jesus descended into paradise. That's where Catholicism gets purgatory? Maybe. I, I have long since given up on trying to figure out what Catholicism gets anything they get. Uh, it could be that way. I don't know. But uh, David, when, when David said... Speaking of the Lord, thou shalt not leave my soul in hell. What was he talking about? Leave his soul in Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom. That's where Abraham's bosom is. It is in Hades. Hades is divided by a lake of fire. There's there are fumes wafting out of that lake and descending upon one side of the lake. And that's what the rich man was talking about. He says, for I am tormented in this flame. Please send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger and cool in water and cool my tongue. Lazarus couldn't go. Can't pass one to the other. Gilbert. I'll make a comment on that aspect of purgatory. It is a dogma. It is a belief implanted by religion yep. through the Catholic Church and it's really non-existent. In fact, they, they even preached that Mary can pull you out of purgatory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God help them. Because their religion ain't going to.